Hi, this is Robert Furrow, and welcome to TruthQuest Podcast. This is our Q&A where we look at questions through the lens of Scripture. Our desire is to know what God's Word says so we can know what to believe, rightly dividing the Word of God. We want to be like good Bereans. We want to search the Scriptures to see whether or not these things are so, but receive the Word of God with all joy. The first question that we have today comes from a question that was asked near the end of our Q&A last Wednesday night. Someone made a statement about talking with someone and them saying, I wish God, uh, Jesus would have said he was God. Because we talked last week about Jesus clearly being taught in the Bible as being God. In Hebrews chapter 1, God calling him God and uh, several other passages. And uh, so I thought I would cover one passage where Jesus talks about this, but talk about why he doesn't testify or ever say, I am God. I think, first of all, we understand there are a lot of people that claim to be a lot of things. And there are a lot of people today who claim to be God. And just because someone claims to be God doesn't mean they're God. And even the people who say Jesus never claimed to be God, had Jesus said, I am God, that's what they would say. It's not a matter of whether or not Jesus says, I'm God. It's a matter of whether or not they believe the word. In the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And everything was made by him, for him, through him. Nothing was made without him. Colossians 1, 15, he is the express image of the living God. And everything was created by him. Again, in Hebrews chapter 1, God says, and to the son, he said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. God, your God has anointed you. And so on. Many other passages. Isaiah 9, 6, a child would be born that would be called mighty God. So I have a passage here, an interaction between Jesus and the apostles. And Jesus makes reference to why he doesn't honor himself. And then he makes a reference that he himself is God. Listen to what it says. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you to see here. And uh, this is from the book of John, John chapter 8, verse 48. It says, Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are Samaritan and have a demon? So they're getting as insulted as they can. You're a Samaritan and you have a demon. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. So right there, he doesn't seek his own glory. He's not going to say, I am God, again, because people who say I'm God are, how can you know they're God if they say they're God? But he says, um, I do seek my own, um, I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Now think of that grand statement. If anyone seeks my word, he will never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than the father Abraham who is dead? And the prophets are dead. And why do you make yourself out to be? Um, make, um, you make yourself out to be. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. Now, that meaning if he says, I am God, it doesn't mean anything because so many people say it. But if other people recognize that he is God and they make the statement, then that becomes something that's very powerful. He's, he goes on to say, it is my father who honors me. 
and through the word of God, through the Holy Spirit, God has been, Jesus has been said many times to be God, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say, I do not know him, it shall be, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. So now he says, Abraham saw his day. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now that's a statement of divinity. Before Abraham was, I am. The name of God is the ever existent one. This is the Greek form of that. Before Abraham was, I am. He says he's pre-existent before Abraham. This is a statement of divinity. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus said, uh, hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and passed by. Now, there was another place, a couple more things. There was another place where Jesus claimed, um, uh, let's see, there was, there's a couple other places where they wanted to stone him. Jesus was talking about, I and my father are one. And he was saying that the very essence of him and his father are one. And they picked up stones to kill him. And he said, for what good work do you stone me for? And they said, we don't stone you for any good work, but you being a man, make yourself out to be God. So they knew that this claim that I and my father are one was a claim of divinity. Remember also in the garden, he used the term I am when they came to arrest him. And they said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they fell back on the ground. But if you are looking for a place where Jesus calls himself God that you can go to and show someone, it is this passage out of John chapter 8 where Jesus says, uh, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, and put it back on the screen here for you. This is John 8, 58. Uh, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that is Jesus himself claiming to be preexistent and claiming to be God. Um, like I said, we have all of these other passages where we are told clearly that Jesus is God. Um, his days are from everlasting, Micah 5.2. Um, Isaiah 9.6, the child who's born is called Mighty God, um, and so on and so forth. There's just many, many passages. The person who says that the Bible doesn't teach that Jesus is God um, just hasn't studied the scriptures. The scriptures clearly teach it. And Jesus himself said, before Abraham was, I am, which is a teaching uh, which is speaking of himself being God. So thank you uh, for submitting that at the end of our last Q&A. Uh, if you're visiting here with us for the first time, really glad to have you here. Uh, if you have a question, write a Q in front of it or a question in front of it. Reread your question a couple of times. Make sure it makes sense. Add any references that may be helpful in getting the answer and then go ahead and submit uh, your question. Uh, we have a question, first of all, from Rod. And Rod says, um, in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, it states, I knew a man. Why does Paul speak in the third person when it was him? Uh, this, may just, uh, this may be a literary device from their day when they're talking about something that is really grand that happened. So in this particular pa uh, 
excuse me, in this particular section, uh, Paul is uh, talking about his trip up into heaven. And so um, he says, uh, let's just go back to verse 1. And it kind of helps us to look at verse 1 here. He says, it is, um, it is doubtless, not, doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations and the Lord. I know a man in Christ 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body. So he doesn't refer to himself as being that person, but he is saying that before, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. Then he says, I knew a man in the body or out of the body. And this is just a literary device for him to be able to say, it is me, that it was him that went there. Um, everyone knows clearly that that was Paul who had made uh, that particular visit um, to heaven and saw things that were illegal, quite literally, to be able to speak. Um, but um, Rod, just a literary, just a literary device, as Paul's talking about boasting, and then it talks about knowing a man. Um, but it was clearly Paul that had gone, and some believe that it was when he was stoned, and that he might have actually died and went up into heaven. Others believe that he was taken up into heaven. Um, by God. All right, so thank you very much, and hello, Paul. Good to see you. Um, we have a question from Psychman. Psychman says, um, we are saved by faith. By faith without works is dead, because Jesus said, he who abides in me, I and him, bears much fruit. The result of properly performed works is that about it. Uh, yeah, that's exactly on the nose. So, I commit my life to Christ. I am born again. I am transformed into the kingdom of God. I move from the sand and onto the rock. God begins to work in my life. He seals me with the Holy Spirit, and God transforms me. Old things are passed away, and everything becomes new. And then I begin to want to do what God wants me to do. I start off on the milk of God's word. I go to the meat of God's word, but I begin to do the things that God calls me to do. Now the works become a sign to me. And we see it clearly in the book of James when James says, um, show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. He goes on to say that Abraham was justified by faith, but when you read it in context, you know he's not saying that because he quotes the passage that says Abraham was justified, he believed God and was accredited in righteousness. When he says Abraham was justified by faith, he means that he's seen, that his faith is seen by the works that he does. Um, this idea of us being so transformed, Paul, that we change and we begin to do the things Jesus wants us to do is the evidence that we have committed our lives to Christ. This is the way that we know. If someone says, I love him, and uh, if someone says, I love him, but they don't keep his commandments, that doesn't mean we always keep his commandments. We know we struggle, the flesh against the spirit, but because you love him, you're going to be keeping the commandments of God. Not always, but keeping them. And let me show you this passage here, um, psych man. It says, uh, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I love that I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. 
but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected by him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he who says he abides in him ought to walk as he walked, just as he walked. And so we become more and more like Christ, and this becomes the evidence that we have made a commitment to him and that we are now living for him. All right, thank you, Psych Man. I appreciate that. Um, been talking about that a little bit as of late, but it's good, good, good stuff. Uh, we have a question from Joe. I think Joe had two questions last week. Uh, this is your second question you had last week, Joe. Um, he says, again, the anger of the Lord arose against Israel. And this is uh, 2 Samuel 24. Yeah, this is one for last week. And moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. Why was this a sin against David? <clears throat> Thanks, Joe. I appreciate your question. Um, it was a sin of David to number the people because they were not supposed to, they weren't supposed to rely upon numbers for strength. They were supposed to rely upon their God. And so out of arrogance, David numbered them. And you give the passage here where it says the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Just curious. Um, let me go ahead and take a look at that reference that you gave us. See if I can find um, where at in Second Second uh, Samuel. It says this exactly. So it's near the end, Second Samuel 24. 24, and it says, um, yeah, let me put it up here. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel and moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. So I don't, um, let me figure out if I can figure out what the, why God was angry at him at this time. I'm going to go to the chapter before. Um, let me just pull this up here and see if we can figure this out. Um, yeah, so I don't think we're told here. that We may be able to piece it together from some other places, but I don't think we're told here why God was angry at them. Um, but a king wasn't supposed to, wasn't supposed to trust in the size of his army or chariots or horses. And so David numbers the people. Joab realizes it's wrong, doesn't want to do it. He does it anyway. And David relents after uh, he became sorry that he had numbered the people. And um, a good number of the people died because of it. But it started off by saying that God was angry with them. And um, I'm not sure why the anger of the Lord aroused against them or whether or not it says this in 2 Samuel verse 24. Um, but so today, um, some people don't want to number churches. You know, churches put out bulletins and they'll put in their bulletins how many people attended. I've also found that pastors are very evangelistic. You'll talk to them. Hey, how are you doing? How's your church doing? Oh, we're 5,000 people. When they're, they're more like, I don't know, 2,500 um, instead of, you know, so it's just better to stay away from numbers completely, I think. Um, they become a source of pride and uh, and arrogance. Um, there are times when churches may need to be numbered. Um, sometimes you're taking a loan. The, the, the loan company wants to know how many people are attending the church. They want to be able to divide in the offerings by how many people are going. And um, all of this is pretty carnal. 
It's not in, there's no spiritual reasons uh, behind it at all. All right, so thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate you bringing that question up again. Uh, we have a question from Jari about Leviticus. Uh, Jari says, uh, Leviticus 2.3 prescribes a grain offering and details how it must be done. And in the New King James Bible, it says, it is the most holy way plants over animals in this frame. Thanks. All right, let me take a look at what's said there in Leviticus. So um, we have Leviticus 2.3. 2, 3, we're going to go back, I'm just going to start at the beginning of the chapter, so I put this up on the screen here for you, this is the beginning of Leviticus chapter 2, when anyone offers a grain offering to the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it, and put frankincense on it, he shall bring it to Aaron's son, the priest, on whom shall take it from his hand, full of fine flour and oil with frankincense and the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the Lord <clears throat> the rest of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons it is the most holy of the offerings to be made to the Lord by fire and if you bring an offering a grain offering baked in the oven it shall be unleavened cakes and fine flours um yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it's called uh, the most, it is most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. Why would the grain offering be the most holy, the most holy by fire? Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to give you, um, first of all, I'm going to give you an attaboy uh, Jari, for, for, for a stumper question, and it does stump. Um, secondly, it'd be a good one to, to look at and see if we can find anything else in the Bible that says why the grain offering would be the most holy to the Lord. Um, I don't know. I'm spitballing here, right? I'm talking off the top of my head. Um, maybe, you know, you're given animals to God and animals could have done things that are, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to have to give it and I don't know. And we'll see if we can gain any more information, um, on that. So we have a question from Scrooge's wife. Good to see you. Good to have you here with us. Um, last time you mentioned people should pray asking God the father, but in Matthew, Jesus says, when praying, ask anything in my name. Right. Okay, thank you, uh, Scrooge's wife. I appreciate that. So, yeah, we are to pray in the name of Jesus, to be sure. If you ask anything in my name, Jesus said in Matthew, that my Father may be glorified, I will do it. And uh, there's a few other passages in the Bible where Jesus says something very similar. I, um, we're told in 1 John, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know that he will bring that to pass. Um, so in the name of Jesus isn't asking Jesus. That's in the name of Jesus. So you say, 
um, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you do this? Um, Peter raised up a lame man in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and declared the name of Christ, and he rose up and walked. But Jesus had said in that day, speaking of the day when he is going to be taken up to heaven and the Holy Spirit is given, in that day, when you ask, ask uh, you're going to ask the Father in my name, and I will give you anything to glorify my Father. So, or or he will give you anything to glorify my father. So we're asking in his name and asking in the name of Jesus means we're asking for what Jesus wants. If you ask something in my name and I don't want it, like if you're putting an order in for me to eat and you say, um, uh, Robert would like extra tomatoes, who who, some taking the order knows me and goes, he usually asks for the tomatoes we left off. I don't think he wants extra tomatoes. Because you're asking in my name, it has to be something connected to me. And so it is with Jesus. It's in his name and and the power that he has to be able to do all the things that he does. Okay? Scrooge's wife, hopefully that's helpful. Um, In the name of Jesus doesn't mean that you're praying to Jesus. You're asking the Father in the name of Jesus. That doesn't mean we can't talk to Jesus. And it doesn't mean we can't talk to the Holy Spirit. But it means when we're asking supplications, we ask him of the Father. Jesus said, when you pray, pray, pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. So we're asking the Father and we're praying in the name of the Son to be able to receive those. And we don't want it just to be tagged on to the end of prayer, right? We want it to be something that is um, significant in the name of Jesus, really meaning this is something something Jesus um, wants. Okay, thank you very much. Um, We have um, another question from Henry. Henry, I hope that's the way you pronounce your name. Um, Last week, you answered a question about Samson, which sparked a curiosity of something else I've always thought. If a saved person had committed suicide, they go to heaven is that true? And I guess that's going to be, Henry, on where you come down on the once saved, always saved issue. As I said, I lean towards once saved, always saved, but I find passages in the Bible that cause me to question that. And so I can't confidently say 100%, but I find a lot of passages that talk to us about assurance. Um, Samson seemed to have gotten things right with God before he died. Um, It says his hair grew out. I don't know if it was the length of his hair or the fact that he got things right with God before he died and he prayed for something God wanted because there was this war going on or a battle between the Philistines and Israel in those days. Living in obviously unique times when we're living under the time of the gospel where he would never do that. But just the thought, is it possible a Christian could get so distraught, start thinking wrongly, maybe have some mental issues, and kill themselves and still be a Christian. And my thinking is yes. There are plenty of people that think the exact opposite of what I'm thinking, but my thinking is yes. Um, I I think there's got to be some real problems going on with that with that Christian, 
And it's far better just to die to yourself. It's far better if something's happening and there's going to be an exposure of some kind in your life. It's far better just to let the exposure come and start living for Christ. If you are feeling unfulfilled or unsatisfied or like life just isn't worth living, uh, it's best to give your life to Christ. Die to yourself and live for him. So never is suicide the answer, but I'm not not willing to say every Christian that's committed suicide hasn't gone to heaven. I, I, I'm going to say the majority of them aren't trusting in Jesus because you would think that that trust in Christ would bring you to a place where you would be now living for him and not taking, not even thinking about taking your own life. All right. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, thank you, Henry. And hopefully I'm saying your name right. If not, um, you can, uh, you can correct me. So, uh, we have a question from waiting on you, Lord. Uh, waiting on you, Lord says question, pastor, you mentioned some parts of, um, parts in the series chosen should not have been included. Possibly not true. Like, like which? Like 95% of it? Um, uh, so, the Chosen, the way the Chosen does what it does is it shows you Jesus through the disciples. And with narrative and, um, and, and interaction, that is not in the Bible at all. So they're making guesses as to how they think Jesus would respond and how Peter and James and Matthew would have responded as well. Now, this drives me crazy and maybe more so because I'm a pastor, because I can see what's not biblical. And a lot of times I don't agree with the things that they say Jesus would do. I would go, Jesus wouldn't do that. And they have two executive producers who are Mormons. And so the Jesus that the Mormons serve is different than the Jesus which Christians serve. And I got to think as executive producers, they've got some say as to how things are in, how things are meant to interact. So maybe it shouldn't surprise me that the Jesus that they would have him say or do something that would not be Christian. I am very um, hesitant. I think there's been a lot of good things in The Chosen, especially when they do the Bible, they do it well. When they, they heal the man brought down through the roof, if you remember that, I think it was one of the first seasons. Really good job in doing that. When Peter repents, because they, they catch a fish on the seaside. Really good good when they do that. When they go to the Bible, it's really good. But that's not what they're doing. They're not giving the biblical accounts. They're filling in the biblical accounts as they interact. For example, they have Mary Magdalene, if I'm remembering this correctly, backslides. And they have to go get her and she has to repent, which is, of course, never in the Bible. And you're talking about a, very, a real person. 
So are we slandering a real person when they do that? We have made up Jesus inviting Nicodemus to be one of his disciples, apostles following him around. And Nicodemus doesn't do it. Now, a friend of mine who is not a Christian as far as I know, I've been sharing Christ with him, says to me, oh, Nicodemus, well, that was one of the disciples that Jesus asked to be a disciple but refused. And I said, no, no, it didn't happen. I said, that was on The Chosen but not on, didn't happen. Well, you've been watching The Chosen. And this is the big problem when you do this. You and me uh, waiting on the Lord, we probably know, you probably know the Bible really well. I know the Bible really well. And so when they do something that's not in the Bible, then you and I know it's not in the Bible. We know they're taking liberties. But what about the people who don't know? What, what about the people who are, yeah, what about the people who don't know? What about people, they, they're just, they're, they're exposed to it for the very first time. Then it becomes problems. And, and what about when they put something in like when Jesus said in the, the chosen, I am the law of God, when Jesus never said that. So now they're actually putting words in Jesus's mouth that sound more like the Mormon Jesus, because the Mormon Jesus said, I am the law, wasn't exactly the same. And maybe it wasn't done on purpose. They said it wasn't. I don't know. I guess love believes all things. But when you start having Jesus say something that sounds much more like the Mormon Jesus than the, than the Jesus we find in the scriptures, uh, you have problems. I don't think you ever want to put God anything into God, into the to the, the words of Jesus by any means. As a pastor, one of the things you learn is to be very careful that you don't say the Lord said or the Lord wants this unless you've got scripture to really back up because you don't want to be speaking out of place. You don't want to speak something for God when God hasn't says it, hasn't said it. All right? Um waiting on you lord um i'm waiting on the lord too all right so good name i like it but um so that's why there's a lot of things <clears throat> within the chosen i just don't watch i can't watch it i can't watch the show and that may be a weakness on my part i get too frustrated with it they're doing things that i just think jesus would never do um i'll give you another example sermon on the mount i don't know if this is the second season or what but we start to watch it and um they're handing out flyers and inviting people to Jesus' speech. And then they're getting a bunch of people to show up. And it's just so not the Bible. Do you think the disciples made flyers and went out and handed them out to people so they could show up for Jesus to speak at the Sermon on the Mount? I didn't see the feeding of the 5,000, but I talked to people who I know who said it was, it was awesome. So certain things just drive me crazy. And I'll tell you my concern, and I'm not saying this is the case, but my concern is that the Chosen would be a, a, a Trojan horse. That enough Mormonism would be fit into it. Angel Studios is a Mormon studio. And so people download Angel Studios to watch the Chosen and they end up watching other Mormon stuff. And that it's a Trojan horse for Mormonism 
because Mormonism is trying to say now that they are just another Christianity, that they're just another form of Christianity, they're just another denomination. But when Mormonism started, it was said that Christianity is an abomination to God and has been an abomination. Now they want to say that they're just another denomination. Well, they're not. They're far from it. And um, I, you have an executive producer, Daryl Eves, who is Mormon, another executive producer who's Mormon, causes me to wonder if this isn't some kind of Trojan horse to try to make its way into Christianity. And um, I can't prove any of that, neither am I saying it's the case. I'm saying that concerns me. That's a concern that I have. Might have been a lot more information than you wanted, all right? So, um, all right, so we have a follow-up from Scrooge's wife. Um, I need to add a note to my question, ask anything, should have said ask anything in, in the name of Jesus and he will be done. I hope I worded that right. Yes, um, you did. And there's a few different places. Um, we have Jesus saying it in Mark. He says it in Matthew. Um, I, in, in one of them, I think it's a lot less. It, it's more open-ended. If you ask anything in my name, it will be done for you. But when we put it in context, he's saying if you ask anything in my name, according to my Father's will, or that my Father would be glorified, but that's what it means. It certainly is not an open check that if I ask anything in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get it. And I think we all understand that, except some false teachers that teach that if you have enough faith, you can ask anything. Of course, that's what they add. If you have enough faith, then you can ask anything in the name of Jesus and you're going to get it. House, boat, cars, planes, all, all of those things. I think you said it right, Scrooge's wife. Thank you very much. Until Scrooge, I said hi again. Um... So David did all. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, Psych Man was bringing this in. Psych Man said God said um, not to count the people, and I'm not sure where that's at, but I do believe that's the case. God said that. So David did a lottery. I think uh, he counted the people in a roundabout way, and yeah, God was not fooled and got mad. How I remember it. Yeah, pretty pretty close. Jari, it may just be too that Joab didn't count all the people. Joab was mad about it too. And he didn't count all the people. So we have a question from Jeff. Um, oh, and we got a passage from Jeff. So Jeff says, Isaiah 43.10, clearly a verse that debunks Mormonism. Let's take a look at that. Isaiah 43.10. Isaiah 43.10. Come on, phone, don't stop working now. I'm going to go back to Isaiah. My phone's getting funky. Don't do it to me. Isaiah 43.10. Here we go. Uh, let's go ahead and put this up on the screen, Jeff. We'll see what it says here. So it says, you are my witness, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. There was no God formed, nor shall there be any after me. And I agree with you. So in Mormonism, 
Yahweh was a human on a planet like ours and he progressed to Godhood. And if you are here, you could progress to Godhood as well. So it says there's no other God formed and no other God before him. <clears throat> and so in Mormonism, God is not the uncaused cause. There are other causes in front of him. But in Christianity, really, God is the uncaused cause. He's the one that's created everything. He was nothing caused him, but he caused everything else to take place. Besides me, there is no savior. Perfect. Perfect verse. Jeff, appreciate you sharing that with us. And uh, Keith, thank you for being here and for moderating. Good to see you. So Joe has a follow-up. Um, still confused about God was why God was angry with Israel, but he moved David to take a census. Yet, how is that David's sin if God moved him? Doesn't make sense. This is how I understand it, Joe. Um, and and I I do want to spend some time looking at why God is angry at Israel. There, I'm not sure. I I can't remember. But God's angry at Israel, so God's going to bring judgment upon Israel. So God moves on David to take a census. Now, if David had things right, David would have gone, I'm not going to do that. Doesn't say God made him, right? It says God moved on him. And um, what was our what was our verse again? So God moved on him and he does it, and then God brings the judgment that he wanted to on Israel because he was angry with them. Now, why couldn't God just have brought, been angry with them and brought the judgment against them that he wanted to bring against them? Maybe there was a revelation of the pride of the reason that God was angry with David and that's why he did it that way. Uh, that's why I need to do some research and see if I can find out why God was angry with Israel in 2 Samuel 24, right? It was 2 Samuel 24. Let's, read, let's see if we can get there again. I think it was. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'll go ahead and put it up here again, Joe. Again, the Lord um, was angry against Israel, and he moved against them, David, to say, go and number Israel and Judah. So I'm, I'm going to say David still had his free will here. Could have done what he did, and maybe this is connected to why God was angry with him um, not really sure. Um, that's a bit of a um, admittedly ad hoc argument on my point because I'm not sure why God was mad at them. And I'm not sure whether the Bible ever says that. So that's something that I would like to, to do. But God's upset with him and God moved him to do that. Didn't mean he had to do it, but it means that he did do it and it might have been connected. All right. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate your follow up on your question and it's good to have you here. If you're joining us for the first time on our Q&A, we do these two Q&As twice a week generally, most times on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh, we take questions about the Bible, prophecy, apologetics, nuances within scripture, uh, questions that you may just be struggling with. And this is also a supplement to our teaching ministry at Calvary Tucson. Uh, we are in the book of Revelation. We're in Revelation chapter 11 right now. Uh, I think we just finished that, actually. We're, so we're in chapter 12, and uh, we're in Acts chapter 2 today uh, as we see um, the prayer for boldness, which is pretty powerful, a pretty powerful prayer um, that we will be looking at in Acts chapter 
12. Um, oh, um, Jeff, so let's see, Psych Man says Jeff has put a cue uh, or a question before his question. Did I miss a question by Jeff? Let me just go back here and look a little bit. It doesn't surprise me that I that I missed it. Um, I think there's a few things that may be happening here, just so you understand how we're doing it. We use a program called Restream that brings in Facebook and YouTube and all of the comment sections into one place where we can go through them and look at them, and then we can moderate them from there. Um, we don't always get um, them in order. And so there may be there may be something there, or you might just be saying that Jeff didn't put a quick question mark in front of the statement he made. I didn't really see that as a statement. I just kind of saw him give me some information, which was good information. All right, so thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Um, Rod says um, Galatians one eight is also a direct condition, contradiction to Mormonism. All right, let's take a look at Galatians 1.8. I'll bring this on right here. So um, let's take a look at Galatians 1.8. Any other gospel, right? If anybody brings you any other gospel, then anything that has been brought, then let it be accursed, right? Is that it? 10.8. Um, yeah, that's it. We'll start in verse 7. Uh, it says... Um, <clears throat> We'll start in verse six. I marvel that you so so. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you to uh, to the grace to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, like Moroni, preach to you any other gospel which you have already preached to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone uh, preaches another gospel than what you have received, let it be accursed. I think there's not many people that are buying that Mormonism is Christianity, but we need to really fight it hard because over a period of time, if the Lord tarries, there are going to be a lot of people who, uh, who, who are going to be deceived by this. Um, so I did, um, I did miss a question from Jeff. Is that right? So um, let's see. Let me just go ahead and continue on down here. If I did miss a question from you, Jeff, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, a QR question in front of it will help. Um, so Psych Man has a follow-up uh, to the praying in the name of Jesus to the Father. Um, Follow-up, should I mention in Jesus' name when I pray, I never do this. I guess I just assume God knows everything I'm asking is in Jesus' name. I don't believe in or ever address any other entity. Yeah. Um, Psych man, I tell you what I do um, is I try to deliberately pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In Acts chapter 4, when you see Peter say to the lame man who had been there for 40 years, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Later on, he says, it's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so because in of Jesus has become such a, just a statement to close a prayer, 
I like to say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And there's something about it. When I'm praying for someone I really care about, I love, or I'm praying for someone to be touched and healed, and I say, Lord, please reach out, touch, and heal them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I'm thinking of Christ when I'm saying that. Um, I think there's something very powerful to it. I'm not saying your prayers aren't heard. Um, but I do think there's something to praying in the name of Jesus. And so that's just what I do. All right. Um, all right. So uh, let's see. Um, very close. I, we, got a little, we got a little time. What is it? Uh, 445. So we've got a little bit of time here. So we're just kind of making our way down here. If uh, you're visiting for the very first time, really glad you're here. If you have any questions, you can write a word question, then rewrite out your question, and um, we will answer them as they as they come in. All right. Um, so Jeff says I was going to start watching the chosen after seeing. The woman at the well scene didn't know it was a product of Joseph Smith's cult. Thank you for the info. Um, thanks, Jeff. And I want to, you know, I, I worded it very carefully. Um, the fact that they have executive producers who are Mormon gives me pause. And I'm afraid that it's going to be like a, a Trojan horse. I know during COVID they also filmed... Um, in um, Salt Lake City, in their studios there. Uh, the law of, I am the law of God is, is a question. Um, I'm not accusing them of being Mormon. I'm just saying I'm worried about it. I'm concerned. Now, Dallas Jenkins did say that Christians love the same Jesus as Mormons. And I've addressed that on multiple occasions. I put out a short on it not too long ago. Um, and we obviously don't love the same Jesus. And um, Dallas Jenkins said, and he's the creator of The Chosen, I'm going to die on this hill. And I wish he wouldn't. In fact, at a sermon I did out of the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, I think, by the way, um, I addressed Dallas by name. And said, if you're listening to this, just say you're sorry. Just say I was wrong. And I'm sorry, people are forgiving. Everybody said something that's wrong and people are forgiving. But when you say this is a hill that I'm going to die on, that Mormons and Christians serve the same Jesus, boy, that's a, that's a hard thing to say. So I just want to be careful, Jeff, that I wasn't saying it was a product of Mormonism. Uh, Mormons are definitely involved. Dallas Jenkins is definitely an evangelical. Um, Jonathan Rumi is definitely a Catholic. So I just have my concerns, and that's that's all I'm saying. I, I certainly don't have. Any, I don't want to make accusations um, that are not true. All right, but but I appreciate that. So um, let's see. Yeah, um, Jeff says that. Isaiah 43 didn't debunk polytheism. Yeah, and any other savior. That there's any other way where people can be saved. It can't come by anything. It can't come by any other way. 
or can't come with it, uh, by anyone else. All right. So if you are here, you have a question, then write the word question down and go ahead and submit it. Um, you can. Um, here we go. Joe has a question. Um, Joe's another question. So we're getting near the end of our podcast here and the end of our questions. So Joe asks, why doesn't the church disclose financial proceedings? So are you talking about our church? Because we do. Um, I think churches should disclose financial proceedings. So we at our at Calvary, uh, we have a an audit done every second or third year. Um, we have an audit done every few years. I don't know exactly how many years it is, and the audit comes back gold standard. Which this is a third party that comes in, takes a look at all of the finances, and um, it comes back a gold standard. Um, I think churches should disclose it. All right. So thank you very much, Joe. Um, let's see. Joe says again, um, question. Joel Rosenberg talks about Gog and Magog, Russia and Iran attacking Israel. Have you heard anything more current about that? Um, I, well, you know, we don't know for sure that Gog is Russia. And I think that Joe Rosenberg will admit that. Um, certain, it could be Iran. It's definitely north of, of Israel. And if you go north of Israel, you've got Syria, Lebanon, Russia, Western Europe, excuse me, Eastern Europe, and the U, with the old USSR and Russia. So it could very well be. I think, man, yeah, uh, Joe, there's, um, there is a military base in Syria that Jordan, excuse me, Syria, that, um, that uh, Iran, and then another military base from, or, or, or military, uh, uh, I'm using base in a smaller kind of a, of a groundwork, not like a major base. Um, the United States has some areas there too. So, and Israel has struck, um, has struck Iran here recently in Jordan. Uh, Libya, Iran, uh, many believe that it's, it's Turkey that's part of this coalition. So it seems like what's going on in the Ukraine is just kind of a precursor. And we've got them there. All right. So thank you, uh, Jeff, for letting me know that I answered your question. Good to have you here. All right. So um, we have a follow-up by Jari. Jari says, question, follow-up from a friend, Annie. Is it okay to call God's um, God, Heavenly Mother, instead of Father, since God is spirit and not gender? Not for the sake of politics, but Father was bad to her. Um, no, I would say it's not okay. And I'm going to tell you why. Again, we're coming back to um, to Mormonism. So Mormonism has Heavenly Father. And um, the Jews worshipped a Heavenly Mother that they believed was Yahweh's wife. And so you're opening up this can of worms um, when you do. The Bible is gender-specific 
when it speaks about God and the Bible is gender specific when it speaks about Jesus. And I think the Holy Spirit at times will use the feminine to speak of the Holy Spirit. Um, again, um, I haven't done any research. I'm just talking off of kind of what I remember. But yeah, you wouldn't want to call her Heavenly Mother. You wouldn't want to call God Heavenly Mother. That leads back to too many false teachings that have been there. Um, I, th I think that what I would say to Annie would be, you got to see God for who he is, which is a true, loving, caring God. And just like you can't condemn every man on earth because of what one man did or every woman on earth because of what one woman did, then you've got to see God as the Bible teaches him and that is good and holy and honest and you're very biblical when you address him as a him. You would not be biblical as you address him as a her and plus it lends back to Mormonism and it lends back to false teaching for Israel when they worship the queen of heaven and um, part of their false teaching was that Yahweh had a wife. So, uh, not good, okay? All right, Jari. Um, yeah, good to see you, Justin True. Good to have you here. So, I think uh, yours was the question that I answered, first of all, I believe. I believe that you had left a message saying that I wish that someone would talk about where Jesus says, I'm God, or why Jesus says, I say, I'm God. And we talked about that at the beginning of this, okay? Um, who is Anley Stanley? Kara says, how much time do I got? I'll just quickly say Anley Stanley is Charles Stanley's son. Anley Stanley is more prone to be on the liberal side of theology, um, has said some things that make you wonder about his acceptance, um, his affirming, and also criticism, especially about unhinging from the Old Testament. If you want more information on it, look up on YouTube, look up Anley Stanley and Dr. Um, Michael Brown. They have a conversation. So through this whole thing, they've developed a relationship and um, they talk about it on there. And um, Michael Brown is certainly gracious to him as he talks to him about it. And it gives Anley uh, time to try to clear up what he's saying. Although I don't know that he does a great job in clearing it up. Okay. Um, Shelly says, uh, this is, I'm, I, I take it this is the Chosen Now film in Utah any longer, only in Texas, and I think that's true. All I can say is God used the Chosen to bring my aunt to Christ, and praise God for that, right, Shelly? Uh, he can use anything, but I am so thankful, praise God. Yeah, and I mean, um, again, I'm not saying that, I'm saying I'm concerned. I don't like that they, they use things that aren't biblical and try to present it. But I'm not saying that they're Mormon or anything else. I'm just saying there's concerns. One of the, the executive producers is Mormon, or at least one of them, two of them probably, I think, two of them. Dara Leaves is one of them. Um, God used Jesus Christ Superstar to, to really bring me to Christ as one of the things that brought me to Christ. And that's a blasphemous show. So God can use anything. So, um, question, Jeff says, 
Um, what's the strongest argument against LDS beliefs? Sorry to be stuck on Mormons. Nah, you're, you're good. I appreciate that. Um, the strongest argument that I have for LDS beliefs is that Joseph Smith was a false prophet. He added to the book of Revelation uh, because he couldn't find any place in the Bible to put himself in. So he actually wrote himself into the Bible. So when the Bible says don't add to or take away anything from it, Joseph Smith added to it. And if you get the version of the Bible from the Mormons, you can go to the end and you can read where Joseph Smith added himself in. Um, also the fact that he married other people's wives, which is adultery, claimed that that could happen. When someone starts to do something like create a new religion, often they do it for sex, money, and power. And I think that we can go back to, to Joseph Smith and see that sex, money, and power were all involved in him and, and the cult that he led. Um, biblically, we could talk about doctrines all day long and, and how they don't stack up to what the Bible has to say at all. So, but the strongest one that I, I think you go back to Joseph Smith and that he was a false prophet clearly by the definition uh, by changing the word of God, adding himself into the word of God, um, became, uh, becomes something um, very difficult. All right, so just reading a couple of the comments that are, are left here. Um, we're very close, just a couple of minutes away from wrapping up. Uh, just wanting to see if there's any other questions here or any comments um, that I want to bring on. Yeah. Um, so Jari has a question. Um, Follow-up. It scares me that Calvary Chapel will become woke if the Lord tarries um, another hundred years. Yeah, I mean, think about a hundred years ago and where some of the mainline denominations stood. Think about the Methodist Church and what they're doing today and how solid they, they were, let's just say, 150 years ago. So... Yeah, I mean, who knows what's what's going to happen if it's going to be passed on. Pastor Chuck Jar used to talk about a movement, a monument, and a mortuary. So God does a movement, it turns into a monument, and then becomes a mortuary. It becomes something that's dead. We serve Jesus Christ and not Calvary Chapel. We serve Jesus Christ and not any church that you may be going to. Because the church you may be going to, if the Lord waits long enough, may not long, no longer be following him. Who knows? what they would end up doing. Who would have ever have thought that the church that Ann Lee Stanley teachings, teaches would try to unhitch from the Old Testament? But um, they did that. Um, yeah, I remember when it was out too, Paul. That's a long, it was a long time ago. I was a kid. I was 14 years old when I gave my life to Christ and I said Jesus Christ Superstar uh, played a major role in that. All right. So it's good to see you guys here. Uh, I love the conversations um, that are going on, the connections that we have with people. Um, we want to be loving, kind. We don't want to be judgmental. We certainly don't want to bear false witness, which is why I want to be careful. I don't know what Dallas Jenkins' uh, motives are. 
I think we have reason to be concerned. Um, other than that, um, I, do, I don't want to say that they are, are Mormon or a Mormon organization. Uh, Angel Studios is and the publications and why you would have a cult that would be your publications. <laughs> just, just, it, we, we just keep coming back to questions. But we want to be fair. We don't want to slander. Um, we don't want to bear false witness. Uh, these things are things that God is not pleased with in any way, shape, or form. All right? But it's been good to see you guys today. Good to hang out here with you, um, to look into the Word of God. Stay close to Jesus. Dive into God's Word. We're in Acts chapter 4. We see the disciples pray, pray for boldness. A lot of good things for us to learn from that study. So I look forward to seeing you there. It's in about an hour from now. We'll have the, the service start, and I'll be teaching in about oh, an hour and 40 minutes or so, hour and 45 minutes or so. All right, so God bless you guys. Stay close to Jesus. I'm out. We will see you um, next Wednesday. Lord willing. <laughs>